New Assistant Treasurer of the Williamson County Republican Party, Tim Reno, joins us this week to discuss conservatives' clean sweep up and down the ballot at the WCRP convention in Franklin last week. Tim gives us a roadmap for how things will change under the leadership of the new board and provides a little insight from an interesting conversation with someone he met at the convention. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. We have a, uh, what you refer to yourself as, a B-side? Not my not B- my words. I'll be the B-side throwaway track for the podcast. Huge, huge downgrade from Catherine Austin Fitz. Huge downgrade. Absolutely. So with us in the studio today is Mr. Tim Reno, not Renault, but Reno. I thought that was funny how they got your name repeatedly mispronounced, but we are pleased to announce him and, and invite him on this week because he is the brand <laughs> Yes. He is the brand new, newly elected assistant treasurer of the Williamson County Republican Party. Woo! Spreadsheet monkey is what uh, the proper <laughs> terminology monkey. would be. <laughs> assistant spreadsheet Assist, monkey. That's right. Well, no, he's he As, doesn't have to work with... Assistant to the regional spreadsheet That's right. Monkey. Courtney doesn't have to work with spreadsheets. I'm the spreadsheet monkey. That, that reminds... When you talk about the assistant to the assistant, are you a Cheers fan? Did you ever watch Cheers? Yes, sir. There, You know, Carla's daughter was um I think Carla's daughter was also pregnant, got the cart before the horse. And so the guy that she was marrying was trying to prove his worth to the family and, and he said, I've got a job. She said, What's your job? And he says, I'm the assistant night manager at Burger Burger Burger. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the fry guy. Yeah. So you are you're more than that. But tell us, Tim, welcome. Want to talk about the convention. Uh because it was an exciting event. My right hand hurts from pounding the wall when we heard the the victory, especially when we got the the chairman elected that we were voting for and that will tell us about the whole thing. Tell us about the process, Tim, how you got into it and what you plan to do and then we'll have some some fun. Well, I appreciate that. I was um, not expecting to be part of any of it, honestly. Uh, I got a phone call uh, actually an email or phone call and was asked if I might be interested in being part of the a slate of candidates that would be representing uh, values, representing a change in the direction of the party, representing a different way of supporting candidates, a different way of standing up to some of the, the progressive things that are that are happening. Maybe not a wholesale change, just a more bold approach. And I'm I just thought, curious, yeah, Sam, was, was that phone call perhaps from the puppet master or the wizard or in, in, <laughs> any um, of the? I no, no. Okay, there were no, there were no, uh, I, I, there are no strings on me, right? <laughs> well, really so. quick, I just want to set this up for our audience because we're kind of just jumping into this. So, uh, you know, every for those who don't know, and there's and there's a lot who don't, the intricacies of how. Once you get into the politics of the party itself, every two years on odd numbered years in every county, the Republican Party reorganizes, which means uh, bona fide Republicans show up to a mass convention. It's a one night deal like a like a caucus event. And we reelect eight members of the county executive committee. So there's a new chair. 
three vice chairs, treasurer, secretary, all the things. And so we had sort of the incumbents or the, you know, for lack of a better term, everybody, you know, gets all riled up using this term, but the establishment, the the old guard, the folks that have been doing it, you know, for a while, whatever, that are sort of involved with all the incumbent legislators and blah, blah, blah. And then there was was a, a camp of people that have been involved in what's happening in the grassroots conservative movement here in our county and supporting grassroots candidates and fighting on the issues and really digging into election integrity and what's going on in our schools and all of the things. And we showed up Tuesday night, April 18th, to this county convention and swept the floor. We we won every mm-hmm. grassroots conservative candidates won every seat. That's it was an incredible night. And Tim was part of that. And it wasn't close. No. It was not even remotely the, the close. The chair was about 400 and something to just under 197. And then yep. most of our races were close to 400 to just under 100. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very clear. A landslide. Yeah. By, by the way, before, before you continue, Tim, a note about Gary, you described as the old guard. Literally, it is an old guard. I went into that room... And, you know, I was elected treasurer in 2009, served for two years. Then I was elected chair in 2011 and served two years. And I was stunned that I was seeing the same people for the other side, right? The old guard was the same people who've been there, <clears throat> perhaps wearing different clothes, but they they looked exactly the same. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is not just a figurative description of the old guard. This is the old guard. Our side, on the other hand, were people who had moved in here over the last 20 years, many of them, 20, 30 years, sometimes as long as I've been here, or who have been living here their entire lives but have not been involved in the political fight and decided, I can't give my county away anymore. It's very important that I get involved. The fresh faces, old and young, fresh faces as far as now speaking figuratively, right? fresh political faces on our side. And that was what was the biggest distinction between the crowds because it's the same old, same old on the other side. And you had this wave of enthusiasm and new voices there to protect individual liberty. So it was exciting. And that was kind of the theme of of when I had a chance to speak, why I felt like I wanted folks to support me. The two main points I wanted to make were, were related to what you said, and that's that why should we continue to allow people to tell us, reelect us, we've got experience, as if, you know, experience, time in the saddle alone is is enough of a reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to make the point that, you know, we've been doing these things that have not gotten us anywhere. We've got a supermajority in the legislature that doesn't represent anything that most of us stand for. And so we deserve better. So the thought I was trying to, you know, approach it with was, we deserve a little bit better than that. You know, we deserve a little bit more transparency, a little bit more accountability to what we want. So that was that was what those are the ideas I was trying to promote. So I'm proud what, of that. What did you think, Tim and Gary? Tell me if you disagree. <clears throat> I would say, except for two speeches I heard from the other the other side's candidates, I kept hearing repeated over and over and over again from the old guard, the the now former representatives or or people who were former board members telling us, A, 
that we all want the same thing, and B, they really mischaracterize Ronald Reagan's quote about being 80%, somebody who's 80% with us and 20% against us as someone that we should support. And before you answer that, I'll just give you my gut and my instinct. When I hear that, first of all, it makes me recoil because I, I resent when someone who believes something different than I do tells me that we all believe the same thing. It's like, no, this is why we're having an election That's to right. distinguish our ideas we from don't. your ideas. That's right. That's right. No, and, and that's it's very stark, and it tends to be uh, kind of the rules for thee, not for me situation, where if we call out a practice or a policy that a particular person supported, then we are demonizing and attacking the person. But when we gain uh, momentum and have four or five hundred people signed up and they panic, they start to say, wait a minute, there's these, there's an evil cabal out to get us. And they start to name people. And, and th- so it's very much um, a, a value of convenience, the idea mm-hmm. that, well, we don't criticize Republicans unless they're saying something that we don't want them to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that was very clear. And in fact, the speaker who spoke right after me did exactly that, called me out for having uh, asked a question. I simply asked the question. I, I don't know where all of the money goes. Do you know? No, nobody knows. But only ten percent of it went to actual candidates. I'd like to know where the where it all goes. And if you elect me, we're going to tell you where all of it goes all the time. Well, they didn't like that I said that. They thought I was attacking a person, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't know who's in charge of the money. So I was I was more commenting on a, you know, I think we deserve better than not knowing anything. But but I was attacked, you know, at the same time saying, but you're not supposed to attack Republic. So it was very frustrating, but, you know, it's okay. Well, you bring up a good point. I'm not sure if everyone has seen, I know it was broadly circulated, but good friend of ours, a board member of um, Tennessee Stands and full disclosure, did a really good job of capturing what he knew about how the finances had been collected and spent. And um, tell us about that, because you mentioned, Tim, only 10% of the money that was raised by the Williamson County Republican Party went to candidates. 9%. It was 9%. It was around single digits. It was around 40 or so thousand dollars was the information that we were able to find of that half a million. So it's fine to be proud of a half a million dollars. Uh, that's fantastic. But where did it go? But but that's the only question. Okay, if, if we raised half a million, uh, what's interesting, what's also stark for me is at the convention, after I said what I said while the voting was going on and I was kind of mingling and, you know, talking to folks, I had half a dozen people come up to me who did not know that. And one person was a candidate who was running in a primary a Republican candidate who who asked for money and got nothing. Mm. So I don't know anything about any of those details, but they appreciated what I said. Seemed to be appreciated. You know, that's 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 nice. You know, that's I want nice to keep to harping that. on that for a minute because the interesting thing about boy, I want to name him. I want to name him real bad, but the guy that the person who shall for for the moment be unnamed, unless I get mad and name him. <laughs> That said that after you spoke, you know, his he came up and talked about how, you know, these were just volunteers and we, you know, we shouldn't criticize volunteers and they're doing such a great job and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. So, you know, we we can't go back and look at the actions of a prior board and evaluate 
the kind of job they've done <laughs> with your money, like with money that the community has given with the purpose of that money supporting Republican candidates. And we're seemingly, because they're just sweet, good volunteers, we should be completely unconcerned. And he said this, which is about me, by the way. Most of the room did probably, maybe some people figured it out. But he said, and you know, when I was standing in line, I heard that guy in the back talk about, and he mentioned <laughs> what, what, what quote you're going to say. What I was saying was, I don't submit to Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment that says thou shalt not speak ill of thy fellow Republican. And he took huge issue with that. And the point that I was trying to make in the conversation that he was eavesdropping on was why can we not have these difficult conversations with each other? Why is it not valuable to hold each other accountable? Why is there no opportunity to criticize a fellow Republican whenever, one, either they are not following the Republican platform or, two, they are a treasurer, for example, on a local party that's spending money in ways that it ought not be spent or not being transparent and accountable uh, in the way that they're spending. And none of those things are supposed to be talked about. Why? Well, because we don't talk bad about fellow Republicans. That makes no no sense to me whatsoever. Well, and as Tim said— they play it both ways, right? When they want the protection of that so-called 11th commandment, they say, oh, you shouldn't talk ill of me. But the week before the convention, the former Republican chair was on public radio in Nashville talking negatively, very poorly about other Republicans. Yes. Right? Sa sa Names sa were said, named. Said and, I, said and I quote, Tennessee Stands is the Gary Humble occult team. And then later on in the interview, on live radio, said she was being lynched. I mean, but we're all commandments for thee, but not for me. <laughs> That's right. I promise you one thing, that within six to nine months, we will be getting an evaluation from the folks who don't like whatever they don't like about yeah. what we might do. So, you know. We'll, and, it, and it will be a very public one. It will be very public. Names will be named, and it'll yeah. be in the Williamson Herald. Um, right. <laughs> and maybe they'll spell my name correctly this time around, but that's okay. So tell us, Tim, something you said in your speech, which I think resonated with everyone, was about the transparency of everything that we're doing financially now in the Williamson County Republican Party, right? There's no reason to hide anything. Why do you think in the past three years at least, if not going back further, that there was this attempt to obscure and to make it hard for people to know what was going on with the finances? Since I don't have any evidence or know that it was done deliberately, I guess we could assume that it was. I, I In my opinion, my, my sense or opinion is more that it's a, a, a sense of, well, you know, it, this is our business. You know, maybe there's a sense of, of you know we are in in charge of this because the the feeling i got when when my speech was attacked was that you know these are good people doing these numbers and they're working really hard but the subtext is but you know you guys just has to have to trust us right, that we're doing the me. right thing and so i think it's less um diabolical and more elitist mm -hmm. maybe you know yeah we got it we got this you guys don't really need to know what's going on but i don't agree with that at all it's not my money it's the members' money. Mm -hmm. um, they deserve to know that we only gave forty thousand dollars to candidates and spent four hundred and whatever thousand on something else. They deserve to know that. I, I believe that deeply that they deserve to know that. Gary, is there 
and I don't know this because it's been a while since I've looked at the Republican Party bylaws, mostly because I, like you, have been excluded. I told my wife when I got home from the convention, I feel welcome back in my own party locally for the first time in 10 years. Same here. Um, it's And it was specific, right? I, I really appreciated how a lot of the candidates that were elected specifically made mention of the fact that they were going to now include Republicans who might also happen to be Tennessee Stands members or Moms for Liberty members who were previously being excluded for that reason alone, which right. which is preposterous. But so now we are actually welcome into the group. But I was going to ask you, Gary, do you know what the Republican Party bylaws, either the state or the county, require with respect to spending on candidates Let's say you have a primary, right? Are they are they allowed to spend in primaries only the general? So I don't know that they are disallowed from spending in primaries necessarily as long as they give to any and all equally. I mean, the, the thing you can't – that the party can't do is prioritize or in any way support one Republican over another in the Republican primary. So, for example, if you had – um you know, three county commissioners running in a certain district, all on the Republican ticket in a Republican primary. I would imagine if the the party gave each of those candidates equally two hundred and fifty bucks. I think I think my understanding is I think it's that's perfectly fine. But they would not be able to arbitrarily give greater amounts to one another, or any way, shape, or form show preference to a Republican in a primary. But whether it was in a primary or not, somehow or other, during the spending. It would appear from the letter that well, I do, I do believe. Uh, I don't. I've got to go back and look, okay. but but I do believe that the amounts that were in that report were mm-hmm. for general elections. General. But here's the thing, though, right? All of those local candidates had challenges. They had independents and Democrats and whatever running against them in the general. They could have all equally used money, right? And they gave them different amounts. And they for gave that. so you know fifteen hundred dollars to one. Five hundred dollars to another, two hundred and fifty dollars to mm-hmm. another, and it was it's it's completely arbitrary as to which candidate got what. But it didn't look arbitrary. It looked if you looked deeper, it looked as if those who were the most conservative candidates that, got the least amount of money, where those who were of the old guard and the establishment got the most. So perhaps not arbitrary at all. Yeah. And that was and that's the problem. You know, I think look if if the Republican Party in a general again is going to support. Republican candidates running in the general, they they should be equally supported on the Republican ticket, you know, to, to support one over the I understand maybe sometimes there might be a more contentious race that requires more money or whatever. And there may be an, an anomaly here and there, but that's not what this report. There were no anomalies. There was a really clear distinction. Uh, like you say, there was a group of people getting more and whatever. I want to expand this just a little bit. Across the state, I had a a wonderful, wonderful – I love these. I almost felt like campaigning again. I had a wonderful little kind of town hall event in a living room in Nolensville last night with about 40 people, all folks who have you know moved here in the last two, three years from California, Illinois, New York, and just wanting to know more about how they can get engaged in Tennessee and more about – how the politics work here in Tennessee. And one of the things we talked about, like we're talking about now, is getting involved in your local Republican Party. And I want to say this because especially for members of our audience who are are new to Tennessee. For example, you may be coming from California 
and you're, you registered, even in Texas as well, you, you register as a Republican. It's very different in Tennessee. We have open primaries, so you don't register as a member of a party. You just register to vote. The only way you are judged to be a member of a party is whether or not you vote in those in those statewide primaries, which unfortunately too many people don't vote in. Standard, and I'll just say like for this last primary in August of 2022, I think our voter turnout in Williamson County, and this is Republicans and Democrats, by the way, the total voter pool, I think ten, about 10% of voters came out in the primary incredibly low it's it's abysmal Mm -hmm. and what everyone needs to know is they're all you know pissed off about what's going on in schools and they want to get involved well if in tennessee if you're not voting in these statewide primaries then you you cannot be qualified as a bona fide republican Mm -hmm. to participate in these local events like we did this week to elect a new slate of conservative candidates so i just want to put out there everyone listening if you have a passion to be involved, uh, and which you should, we hope you do, but if you want to be involved in local politics, even if you want to run for school board or county commission as a Republican, you must vote in the primaries every time the door is open. Show up. Don't just show up in November. Mm-hmm. Show up in March in a presidential year and every other year show up in August and vote in the primaries. That is how you get involved. Isn't there also another primary in May when we do county mayor? That, but so that is the county primary and those that's not a statewide. So those so don't those are count. Actually, okay. Although we still want people to vote. Of, of course, but they don't count in terms of being a bona fide Republican. Our good friend James Amundsen explained to me early on when I first moved to Tennessee why they do it in May and August for those locally. Because May, everybody's getting out of school. People are distracted. In August, everybody's getting ready to go back to school and they're distracted. They want the numbers and the turnout to be as low as possible. So we need to beat that, beat the system. One of the priorities that I'm excited about with the new team that's going to be managing the the county party going forward is um, the idea of outreach. One of the things that uh, Tracy Miller has said is going to be important to us. And we'll, and Tracy's the new chair. Tracy is the new chair. That's correct. We'll, we'll flesh this out. But the idea of outreach to the community to do exactly what you refer to, get more Republicans voting in those primaries. Um, some of his ideas at a high level were were outreaches to new people moving in. You know, y'all get the mail when we move into a new address. So outreaches to new people moving in, maybe even things like uh, presence, permanent presence as a party in the communities that we serve to not be an afterthought of who we are. So the idea would be to grow the the membership of the party, to grow the donations of the party, but then to also grow the turnout for the primaries so that we can truly elect Republicans in those primaries instead of, you know, having conservatives running against progressive Republicans who are part of the establishment and not enough conservative folks turn out or whatever happens. So so our goal will be to drive growth in that way by proactive outreach to, to everyone in the community. And that would be money well spent. I yeah, think so, I, too. <clears throat> The that'll be a line item that everyone will see. We spent money on outreach, and this is what we spent it on. So. The flip side 
of the very low turnout that you referenced, Gary, 10%, right? 10%. For primaries? It fluctuates like, but seems like between 9 and 14%, but it doesn't, in, a, in a primary, it doesn't get much higher than that. The flip side is it should be very easy, and think of the impact if we just doubled that, Huge. right? If we went from 10 to 20%, which is not a lot of people, wouldn't really take a lot of voter outreach but the impact of doubling the primary representation, especially if we're impacting people who are moving here for this very reason. Some recent primaries would have gone differently. Yeah. Let's just say absolutely. that. Hmm. <laughs> Tim, so when I saw you and congratulated you after the, the whole slate won and we were all high-fiving, you were talking with a gentleman who shall remain uh, unnamed for now and... I think it's important. So many unnamed people on this podcast. <laughs> We're trying already. to protect people right now. <laughs> but this gentleman, well, why don't you tell us about who this who this man was, not by name, but describe him and what the conversation was. It was it was really perhaps the first time I've been that close to the type of Republican that I am talking about when I say we need folks who are truly principled. Um, it was really the first time I'd had a direct conversation with someone who, who in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, this is why we need to do what we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, the conversation started with – it was very – very, um, I think he knew that we were about to win. And it was very much, well, you know, let me give you some advice and, <laughs> and you know, hand on my shoulder. Trying to co-opt you um, already. You know, and, and, and so the idea was, you know, I hope you guys don't try to force, uh, push for closed primaries. And I, and I asked why. why you know, I'm, I'm a classical education guy, so I'm always, well, tell me why, you, you know, you ask, I'm asking questions. And the idea was that, it, you know, you grow the party when you let more people vote and, and you don't need a, <laughs> wow. set, a, Even a small number of people. We're going to have to and, talk about this for and a little I, bit. And I just, that's all I said was, was well. I think that's a small price to pay when you have Democrats crossing over. It, here was what struck me. The reason I was against it was that I don't like the idea of Democrats crossing over to defeat conservative Republicans mm -hmm. because they know that the progressive Republican will do what they want anyway, so they want them to win. And and his point was, well, you know, that, that brings to the question of Republican values. And he started at talking about values and, you know— uh, low taxes and and a small government as as core republican values and he said to me those values work at the national level and i want folks at the national level fighting for those things but but i don't really care he was a little more colorful but he said i don't really care about those values at this level because we have different problems and he started telling me about cash flow and rapid growth in the county and 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 lecturing me on why the the, the county commission, for example, has no choice but to raise taxes and borrow lots of money because we have a growth problem. And, Wait, and it stop. struck me. <clears throat> this sounds stop. like someone I know. <clears throat> stop for a second. I, I want our audience to hear you repeat that because it bears repeating. Yeah. This or I'll repeat it to make sure I got it right. This gentleman told you while he wants Republicans to fight for Republican principles at the national level. At the local level, we can't fight for Republican principles of small government and low taxes. His exact words were, those values don't work the same at this level. Those were his exact words. No! It's the most, and, they and, do! It's the most, ah! Thank you! <laughs> and, Again! Yeah, and, and so so my, my thought to him was, was that, no— um, there were two things that struck me, and, and what's funny is you and my wife rescued me from that conversation <laughs> just as I was about to uh, maybe start to argue with him, so it probably was okay. Um, my thoughts were that 
Um, no, those values are more important mm-hmm. at the local level. And the only reason why it, it's a worldview uh, perspective, yep. and, and there's two things there. It's it's your worldview perspective that that tells you that those values don't matter. But but the second thing was more sinister. He forgets that it is the the county commission and the board of aldermen that pass the policies that create that rapid yep. growth, and then they turn to us and say, "But we have no choice. We have <laughs> to manage the cash flow with more taxes and debt because we have this growth." As though they woke up one morning and the growth had just happened mm. upon them, but it was their policies that resulted in the need for ten thousand new apartment buildings and five yes. five hundred new homes and all these new buildings and everything like that, and five new schools. And they don't take responsibility yes. for their decisions, and then they turn to us as though they're victims of this growth machine. And what and you I said, just don't agree with that. What you said, Tim, was accurate. Use the word sinister. And this is sinister because they try to play it off <clears throat> as if it's not their fault, right? The way that they characterize the issue, the way that they frame the argument— they know darn well exactly what they're doing and what their motivation is and what their end game is, but they frame it in a way to make it look like, well, it's not my fault, Gary. We have to raise taxes. I love the way you said that because we're doing the exact same thing at the state level. I'm, I don't want to rabbit trail too far, but that whole, you know, it's these local policies that are impacting the need to spend more on infrastructure and all that. I mean, we're doing the same thing at the state level. We fought against this toll road bill, the, the governor's choice lanes bill. And and the funny thing, if you read the whereas clauses in that bill, I find it I found this part just incredibly hilarious. There's four whereas clauses that basically culminate in the statement that Tennessee is so prosperous. We're we're doing so well. We're so prosperous we can't afford to build our own roads. We need toll roads. And the the What's what's actually happening, the reason we have this incredible need for infrastructure and we don't have the tax base necessarily to build it the way we should is because of the economic development policies of this governor where we're handing out a billion dollars to Ford and we're building stadiums and every we're incentivizing artificially inflating growth by giving our tax dollars to incentivize all of this influx of business and new people, creating this growth, thereby creating the need to build infrastructure, but the tax base hasn't quite caught up yet, and so now we have to privatize our roads and toll you for it. Now, at the risk of sounding politically naive, I, I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm i for growth responsibly. I mean, we, we look at our children. You know, I would not have liked it if my son would have gone from three foot six to six foot six in a year. That would not have been a healthy way for him to grow. He grew to six foot two over 24 years and he's strong and healthy. And when, when they make these decisions that result in this rapid growth and, and it outpaces the ability for tax revenue to catch up, then they throw up their hands and say there's no choice. So I, I, I want to be clear. I like the idea of us growing and expanding the, the economy and you know, no rising question. tide and all that sort of thing. But we have to do it with responsibility. And we can't – you know we can't uh, – You have to e- let the people ourselves. do it, yeah. and we, not and the we, government. Yeah. yeah, because when the government does it, the right. government is driven by what Catherine told us last week, Catherine Austin Fitz. Fees for friends. Fees for right? friends. Yep. That's what it's all about. When you want, it, why does the government want to grow fast? Because they have relationships with everybody who's benefiting from this growth. Whether it's the private company that's doing the toll roads, whether it's the contractors, whether it's you name it, 
They all have their hands in the pot. It's fees for friends, and it's at the expense of your liberties and my liberties. Could not be a better way to describe Williamson County local politics. Fees for friends. You know, the other thing that struck me about the conversation that I had with this gentleman, this was, this was the last thing that really struck me, is it, 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 it all centered around the idea of values. And, and it circled back when he said a lot of – I talked about the supermajority, and I said we've wasted the supermajority. We've got a bunch of people up there who don't really vote with these values. And it made sense since these values don't matter to him at this level. It doesn't bother him that they don't vote that way at this level. But he made a statement that once they get into office, they have these values and they get into office and they realize, well, it doesn't work that way, you know. And and I thought to, I remember thinking to myself, well, that is even more illustrative of the problem. Maybe they didn't really have those values yeah. in the first place. Maybe they were cowards. But what it tells me is that the job that we have to do as a a new election com- uh, or, or a new uh, party uh, mm-hmm. county party administration, we have to make sure that we are finding the candidates that are going to have the courage to stand and that are going to have the courage to get there and not go, wait a minute. Wow, it's tough around here. I'm going to start voting with these guys over here. We have to find better. And that that was the point of the, my speech was we deserve better and we have to do better. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hopeful that we can we can do that. Amen to that. Uh, thanks, Tim. That I want to go back to the very first thing that this gentleman said to you, because I didn't know this coming into the studio, I knew about the other conversation about taxes and growth. Isn't it interesting, Gary, that the very first thing out of this man's mouth was, I hope you're not thinking about closing the primaries. Incredible. What does that tell you? That's their biggest fear, because they know that if the primaries are closed and only Republicans can vote for Republican candidates, the ballgame's over for them. We win. Just just like it was in this convention. Mm-hmm. That's I was going to say. That's exactly that like what it, happened. Right? This convention literally was a symbol of what a primary would look like if, if it was it closed. closed. Yeah. Because they wanted to bring in the so-called uh, contests and credentials committee that they formed at the local level that resigned because they couldn't get things their way and they couldn't get to change the rules at the last minute. They were going to approve people that wouldn't have otherwise been approved under the bylaws. Which they're now accusing us of doing. <laughs> we brought in fake patriots. Fake patriots. What, <laughs> which, which what, is, what is a fake patriot? What, what does it even which mean? Which is interesting. It's kind of a – I read it again and again, and, and I thought to myself, they're, they're really sort of casting aspersions on the state committee. The Williamson County Election Commission, which by my understanding is a bipartisan organization that just wants to try to manage fair elections, they ran the vote for us. Um, The state committee ran the registration process and who got in and who didn't. So I'm not exactly sure who they were angry at, um, but I I don't know. Because all the people they've trusted for outside of this particular night were the same people running all the operations. And all of a sudden— there's fraud, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I will say I want to I thought, Kevin, what do you think about voting on the paper ballots, uh, voting on the paper ballots that we stuck in the electronic machines? You mean, <laughs> well, I, well, I will say, you know what I like? It actually I do like the fact that we actually got to color in the, yes. the circles reminded me of the SAT or. You know, Iowa tests that I took in elementary school. Well, Scantron tests and well, well, we had we had six hundred and nine voters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so you put that in perspective. We talked about this in in some of our election conversations because I thought it it went really efficiently. It did I mean we had six hundred and nine people, and I think it took 
every time we voted, what, maybe? 15, 20 minutes? Yes, to get yeah. all those people through. Think about on one of these election days, I think like on, on the early voting days, even in early voting, there were some locations that were, you know, had a 30-minute wait, a 40-minute wait to get in. But in the entire day, a span of about six hours, there's only like 400 or 500 votes cast. So think about that. You, We had 600 votes cast in 15 minutes. Right. Well, why? Because we weren't using ballot marking devices. We were using paper. And right. there were like 40 stations to, lined up where you could just walk up and fill out your paper. Yes. And you know, throw it through a tabulator and it was done. Yeah. So the tabulator made me nervous. So that's the second part of it. But the good part is what you're saying. I mean, it was like old school voting, right? You each had your own little stall like you would have in a men's bathroom. You have a urinal, right? With the little walls beside it. You had your little box that you would go in. What is a man? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) A man is someone who would Fill out the circle that says Tim Reno is my assistant uh, treasurer at the Williamson County Republic And we have Party. the paper is the important thing. Yeah. We have the, right. a stack of paper <clears throat> that right. if anybody wants to— Hand-marked paper. And yes. I, yes. that's why I wasn't Ink. so worried about the tabulator because, number one, in on this particular instance, the tabulator was not reading a QR code or right. a barcode. It was reading, it was reading a hand-marking. And you have all the hand-marked paper ballots to back it up and to audit you know, post-mortem. Yeah. If these paper ballots were— secured balance like watermarked and serialized then you have a you what you had was the setup was right. golden mm-hmm. to me what i walked away with from that process was this is what a, a, a good well-run efficient election looks like it can be done it can it that's what i walked away with yeah. it, and they, they keep saying it can't be done we just we literally yeah, just, did, just it. did it and i'm grateful to remont and the young republicans for helping manage that convention so they well and those and guys rocked they did and the election commission they were professional and kind and quick and the state committee folks were kind checking people in they weren't has- i didn't see anybody getting hassled really so i, I don't really understand the complaints it was um, an incredibly in my opinion being a, a very well run efficient, respectful, orderly convention. I can't imagine how you put what you had maybe 800 people in a room and 600 of those people were voters, I think. There were there were more voters. Than and it was the largest, right? La- largest largest con- in state history. Yeah. And the fact that it so went you so well. Hist- you didn't just win, Tim. Right. You won at a historic event. And the fact that it went the way you're saying when barely a week before the folks who were supposed to be running it said, we give up. And the folks came in and said, no, uh uh-uh, we're going to make this happen and it's going to run well. And it did. Yeah. And I hope, look, I'm going to say this one more time. I hope that Bob Brown and Jonathan Duda and the people of the Election Commission, I really hope they, how could those folks that run our elections not walk away from how well that was run Mm -hmm. and realize maybe we could do really, really well with paper ballots? Right. (laughs) And. And how much cheaper is that than spending these millions we're, we're spending on these machines? It was just I, – w- I was excited that it worked so well because I thought, well, man, our entire election commission is here. I hope they're recognizing the, the value that we're seeing right. here and using paper ballots. Anyway, just pontificating well, on great. election and, integrity. Any last words, Tim, before we wrap for this week? No, just we're excited to, uh, to try to get to work. So I appreciate everybody – as I said in in my speech, and I think it was was echoed, we want to be not only transparent but accountable. So 
I'm going to encourage every Republican that listens to this podcast in Williamson County to find us and email us and, and challenge us and ask us questions. You'll get an answer because we want to listen. So I'm excited about being part of a team that, that has that value. And I would also add, you know, last night as we're recording, my understanding as well is they flipped the Murray County yes. Republican Party as well. So we got a streak going. It's yeah. two in a row. And so here, here's the deal. I would just, again, I would reiterate, you know, you've got in Tennessee, you've got to vote in primaries. And I will just tell you, getting involved at the local level is the way we win. There, there are a lot of folks, you know, I was, I was frustrated with, we, you know, we did a lot of outreach working to get people to show up, especially we're checking voting records, trying to find those people that were bona fide, mm -hmm. that had three for four primary votes. So we we did a lot of outreach. And I got a lot of responses that really frustrate. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not going because I'm not giving a dollar to the Republican Party. I'm not going because I'm done <clears> with the party. I'm not. Yep. Well, and my, my thought is, I understand your frustration. I get it. Mm -hmm. But then what are you going to do? Right. What What's the answer then? You're exactly right because... I had in my gut that same feeling, right? I don't want to give my money to the Tennessee State Republican Party, but if I hadn't, this result wouldn't have happened. And this result happened, which will allow us to eventually change, right? Change the whole platform, change the whole vision of the party. So it's, you got to kind of do that to, to take the step. It's battle, right? It's war. And you take some losses along the way and you can't make every hill a hill to die on. So in this case, yes. We had to give our money to what is currently not our favorite Republican Party, but, but we, build, we won. It was worth it. Building these local conservative foundations yeah. at the county level, if we continue to do the hard work of doing that, participating in those activities are going to pay huge dividends moving mm -hmm. forward, not only in our school boards and county commissions, but in, in the state level as well. And so I just want to – I think what happened in Williamson County for me – it was a culmination of, of three years that a, a lot of grassroots folks in our county have been putting in. And I would just encourage everyone in every county where you think, oh, you know, I can never get involved in my party. They suck, you know, whatever. Maybe they do. But that should light a fire under you to go get involved and, and, and change it. We, that's what we have to do. Because the numbers are with us. I, and I think, That's what that showed, too. Absolutely. The old guard has been relying on small numbers and intimidation. They've been relying on people not participating. Yep, yep. intimidating, changing rules, whatever they can do, because they have. It's, it's the old emperor has no clothes on. Great. Thanks, Tim. Thank you for being here. Anytime. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.